feel like I've been juggling a number of different projects this week. So I've been working on this Assassin prequel, which at the moment has got the work title of Birth of Assassins. So I'm at the end of the first act of that. I've also been doing the rewrite for my Wasteland series. So I am done with Night of the Wasteland. That didn't require as much work as I thought. Wizard of the Wasteland definitely did. I mean, that was my first book that I wrote. Night of the Wasteland was definitely a tight story, was better written, better structured. So it didn't require that much work, only the change in tents in that one. And now I've just started work this morning on King of the Wasteland. So I've done the first 2,500 words of that. And again, I could see the jump up in my writing. So that's good. I'm going to try and do as much as I can over the coming weeks while at the same time working on Birth of Assassins in the morning. So in terms of reading this week, I have read quite a few non-fiction books. I read one called Under the Black Flag, which is about pirates. I've also been reading a book called The Victorian City, which is about life in Charles Dickens's London. So what I like about this is it blends historical fact with quotes from Charles Dickens's stories. So it gives it a bit more of a different twist, a bit more of flavour shows how real things were incorporated into his writings. And I've also started reading The Lives of the Stoics by Ryan Holiday. And I've read quite a few Ryan Holiday books. I think he's probably one of my favourite non-fiction authors. And I've listened to the biographies of quite a few of the early Stoics now, so I highly recommend that if that is a type of thing you're into. I think I would start with his book, The Obstacle is Away, and then work through them. As well as that, I've been watching a programme with my wife and son. This is on Netflix, a series called A Series of Unfortunate Events. This is really good, really enjoying this, very funny. My son's a fan of the books, so we've just been watching those. I think I've watched the first five episodes, and they're very funny, very strange. They're family-friendly, and they've got a lot of humour in them that is just very smart. So very much enjoying that. I did a speech for the Morecambe and Lancaster Speakers Club this week. This was about the Great Pyramid of Giza. That was a lot of fun to prepare and do. I feel like I'm starting to get into my groove now with these speeches, with the structure, with the rhythm, taking on some of the advice that I've been given about the way I deliver my speeches. And the feedback I got was probably the strongest feedback so far. So I will stick that at the end of this. So next week I am going to carry on writing The Birth of Assassins but what I need to do is a little bit of research that will probably send Google alarm bells going off so I need to do a bit of research on how to do a knife fight and how to pick locks and some self-defense type stuff on how to quickly dispatch an enemy. So it might be a thing where I use incognito mode. So until next time, cheerio. What's so great about the Great Pyramid? So I don't know about you, but for as long as I can remember, I've been fascinated by structures in the ancient world. Things like Stonehenge in England, Machu Picchu in Peru, Angkor Wat in Cambodia. But nothing, nothing captures my imagination like the pyramids. Now, we're probably all familiar with the pyramids of Egypt. But did you know there's pyramids in Rome 
in Mexico, Sudan, China. There's even a pyramid in the ocean off the coast of Japan. And some theorists believe there's even pyramids on Mars. Of all the pyramids, it's the Great Pyramid of Giza in Egypt, which is the one that has fascinated me. This has been something I've been looking at for many, many years. History has it that it was built around 2560 BC. So that's, that's over 4,000 years ago. And it was supposedly built by the Pharaoh Khufu. It's the oldest and largest of the pyramids on the Giza Plateau. So in that area, you've got a couple of other pyramids and you've got the Sphinx. And it is an engineering marvel. It originally stood 146 metres high at its base, 230 metres long at each side. And it's perfectly square. That is the length of two football pitches. What is interesting for me is most of the pyramids that followed weren't as good, weren't as magnificent, weren't as technical. And what I mean by this is the Great Pyramid had numbers throughout its construction, mathematical signs. So you could look at a ratio on a wall and it'd equal 3.142. And you could look at the measurements and see the Fibonacci sequence. You could see astronomical alignments and it faced true north. It was aligned to true north. Now, the one thing that just boggles my mind about this, it is perfectly centre in the landmasses of the world. So if you take the longest line of longitude, longest line of latitude, the Great Pyramid is smack in the middle. Now that, for ancient world, even for now, is just a tremendous, tremendous feat. It was made from 2.3 million blocks of limestone and granite. And some of these were as, as heavy as 80 tonnes. And it was constructed over a 10-year period. Now, I did some back-of-the-fag packet calculations on this. this. This meant that a block must have been placed every two minutes without breaks for 10 years. And that seems like there's a bit of an issue going on with the history of this. I mean, we're told, or at least we were told, that it was built by slaves. We get that in the Bible. It wasn't. Some people think it was built by aliens. I think it was built by Egyptian people. They were employed. There were hundreds and thousands of them who worked on site. And how it was built is still a mystery. Some people think it was ramps. They used ramps to kind of get the stones up. You know, these 80-ton blocks being hoisted up by pulleys. Some other people have suggested that it was kind of built in a canal complex. So you had the... A uh, thing being built up and the water level would go up with the pyramid and they would kind of use boats to send the stones up. And then there's other people who've talked about things like using sound vibration technology and all this crazy stuff. It's given us a lot of what I suppose you call imaginative leaps. A lot of people have imagined what this thing's for, what it does, how it was made. A lot of crazy theories. I mean, some of my favourites are... There was a guy called... I think it was Christopher Dunn. He wrote a book called the Giza Power Plant. And this was about how the Pyramid of Giza was basically a big nuclear power plant. I mean, yeah, it's 4,600 years old and they didn't have an electrical system, but for some reason, a power plant was necessary. Don't know why. And there's also the idea that it was a tomb. 
may think, of course it's a tomb, it's a pyramid. That's what pyramids were for. When it was opened up in the 1600s, it was found completely empty. There were no tombs, there were no hieroglyphs on the walls. It was completely empty. This raises a question of, you know, what is it for then? I've got theories, you know, I think it might have been something like an observatory or a temple to teach mathematical principles. I don't think it was a power plant, and I don't think it was a marker for alien spacecraft, which is another theory. Now, the dating I've already mentioned, I find that problematic. And the reason for that is is it's based on the date that was given to the Sphinx, which is in the same area. The Sphinx was dated to around the same time, 2500 BC. And this was based on a little tablet that was found on the front of the Sphinx's paw, which mentioned Khafre, who was one of the pharaohs. So they dated it to him, and then they kind of dated everything else based on that. But geologists have looked at the Sphinx and says, well, there's evidence of water erosion from long periods of rainwater going over the Sphinx, which didn't happen before 8,000 years ago. So this thing is at least 8,000 years old. Some people think maybe longer, maybe about 10,000 years old. And so there's just a lot of questions, a lot of questions and a lot of mystery. And I think that's great. It's story fuel for me. It inspires me. And when you've got a building that gives us a chance to kind of wander and speculate and just think about all the different things it can do, I think that is a a great thing. And that's why I chose this as my structural wonder. (laughs) 